You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. It's time for the 49ers Rush Podcast. Here's your host, John Chapman. What is going on, Faithful? Man, this is a great day because here, for the first time, you know, we, we, we launch into training camp, we go through the testing, we get all those things, and we're finally starting to get some type of camp reports coming out of training camp. Now, the funny thing is, it's not the traditional way at all. Right. Usually we have our beat reporters that are out there crushing it and we're getting in, you know, uh, fan clips and all that stuff. That doesn't exist. (laughs) It's not happening at all. But what we are getting is way more access to players. Um, You know, the 49ers have been pretty relentless every day that they have camp. They're letting two or more guys be interviewed by the press virtually through Zoom and things of that nature. And it's actually been really, really telling. It's very different. But we're getting a sneak peek into what the players see from their peers. And there's a couple of guys that continue to, quote-unquote, shine through this press conference stage. And you get to learn the personalities a little bit more. But they tell you who of their peers is doing really, really well in practice. And so what we're going to do today, we're going to spend a lot of time through the eyes of the players, break down what it is that they have. And we've got four players we get to listen to today that, you know, I've cut up all the clips. Uh, They just finished the second round of interviews not too long ago, which is rough. Uh, I started back school as well so classes are full of steam virtually of course um but yeah i'm doing classes as these press conferences are taking place and um so i have to like mute my phone and put it in the other room or i'm going to check it during class which is awful uh but as soon as class ends i jump on here i start breaking down film and i'm just glad to be with you guys today so we're going to hear from four separate players today eric armstead mike mcglinchy two of the biggest humans on the planet and then we're going to hear from kyle use and jimmy ward And we're going to allow them to kind of create a launch point um, as we show some of those clips. And if you missed last week, or not last week's, the last episode, um, we did something very similar. So we got a lot of clips for you today. We're going to be jumping in and out of a lot of different topics. If you have questions and you're listening live, what is up, Countdown Crew? Cannot say thank you enough for all the people that are here. Please uh, tag me wherever it is, whether that's through Hot Mic. Uh, If you haven't downloaded Hot Mic yet, what are you doing? Come on, get over there, download Hot Mic with uh, promo code RUSHESF. It's completely free. Um, 
that's probably one of the best ways. And then on YouTube, of course, that is always there as well. What is up, Countdown Crew? I love it. Love seeing the hashtag CC. Uh, makes me proud. And so before we jump into the interviews, which we're going to spend a lot of time on, I do, I got to be selfish here, man. I got to be selfish. Um, we've been working, you know, we've got a team of about six dudes and they have been incredible. And just want to give shout out to them for helping with the quest for six. You know, we've got our mini documentary. The very first episode is premiering this Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific time right here on the YouTube channel. It's going to be on YouTube only. Um, so if you haven't already subscribed to the YouTube channel, you need to do so. Just type in John Chapman in YouTube. It should pull up. Type in 49ers Rush. It'll pull up. Hit subscribe. We're going live with um, the mini doc at 6. And it's just chapter 1, so it's not an elongated episode. But what we're going to do afterwards is has, have a Q&A, kind of a mini pod, talking about what we covered in there, some of the interviews and some of the film and stuff that we go through. But also... We're going to be giving away a brand new Nick Bosa jersey. Um, going to ask a trivia question, so you got to be there with the live group. And uh, yeah, going to be giving away a jersey for free, hundred plus bucks. Why not? Uh, you know me, I always like to give away stuff. So that's going to happen Thursday night, and this is huge because we've been working months on this. Um, and so I've got another trailer for you. If you go to my Twitter account at JL underscore Chapman, you'll see one of the trailers. But I love trailers. I love them. Uh, so here is number two, inspired by one of the all-time greats, Bill Wash himself. Um, so here we go. Enjoy. Winners act like winners before they're winners. The culture precedes positive results. It doesn't get tacked on as an afterthought on your way to the victory stand. Champions behave like champions before they're champions. They have a winning standard performance before their winners. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, whenever you look back and you try to figure out some people who have kind of like paved the way or inspired you in any way, shape, or form, whatever. It's really interesting the people that kind of stand out, you know. And I don't want to get too much into this now, but I was born in 1982. So my fandom was not really, it didn't overlap with Bill Walsh near as much as the influence he has had on my life. But, you know, once I got into coaching and evaluating talent and writing for the draft and covering the 49ers, I can't get enough Bill Walsh. I never have. And it's sad, but this has been since deleted from the Internet somehow. I don't know how. But Bill Walsh started a scouting academy where he went through and detailed every single position, what he looks for in scouting for the draft process, what's important, what's not important. And I mean, it was just an encyclopedia of knowledge. It, several, several, I mean, just hundreds of pages. It was, it was beautiful. It was a work of art. And so I went through and, you know, I created my own grading rubric as a teacher, right? Uh, based off of everything that Bill Walsh talked about with all these positions. And so I've always kind of used that as my launching pad uh, for draft and just really NFL talent, period. Well, it's gone now. It's gone. I don't know why, but um, whether the family had it taken down or just the license expired or whatever, it was one of those like horribly run websites. You could tell it was definitely like early ARPANET setup, but I can't say enough about Bill Walsh and just kind of what he's meant, not only to me, but just this franchise, the fan base, the faithful, everything, because he is kind of the godfather. Um, one of the most legendary coaches, humans, to put their footprint on this sport and this community. So, um, you know, for I don't want to give away too much. We're not going to be talking a lot about Bill Walsh this Thursday, but he's going to have, we're going to spend a lot of time on him in the future. So uh, if you haven't, please head over there, hit subscribe. Please join us. The amount of money and time that has been put in this is a little stupid, but that's okay. It's already worth it. If it just brings a couple people to the fan uh, fandom and just brings the community together, and that's what we do this for. So now let's transition. Let's talk some current issues, and let's talk some current players because training camp's going. COVID numbers are relatively down whenever you're just looking at football. 
Um, really less than 1% of all players on all rosters are currently um, under the COVID protection program, which is great. So if those numbers stay throughout the integrity of whatever this season is, we're going to finish the season. Now the question becomes, well, once travel and games and all those things start coming into play, it, we could see it's gone bad. You've seen some of that with Major League Baseball, right? Um, you talk about uh, the Cardinals and the Marlins, for example, uh, players that just didn't take it too seriously. And, you know, Kyle Juszczyk and Mike McGlinchey even brought that up in press conferences the last two days, saying basically this. There are people that are spending time away from their families and aren't going to see their children be born, talking about Raheem Mostert. And, you know, I didn't cut this clip, but Mike McGlinchey goes on to say, I'm a single guy. <laughs> it's important for me to just stay home and stay focused because those guys have given up so much. It would be wrong of me to be selfish and to go do those things. And I think that's huge. A very mature program and a very mature attitude. Hopefully that permeates everybody. A couple bad apples can ruin everything. Um, but Eric Armstead starts out. Okay, He was the first one up yesterday. And basically they asked him, um, you know, very, very simple, that the plan is going to be the exact same usage and design for Eric Armstead for 2020. Base, he's going to be the outside kind of tough defensive end, run-stopping behemoth that he is. Nickel, pass rushing situations, slides inside. Um, you know, he's he hasn't been healthy very much, but he was healthy. But the idea is to stay there. But the question was then asked, what is something that can be approved for this defense, which was one of the best, if not the absolute best, uh, in the 2019 season? And here's what he had to say. Hey, Eric, it's uh, Josh Dubow from AP. You guys obviously did a, a lot of real good things on defense last year. Are there areas as a unit where you guys are looking to get better this year? Definitely get better. Um, one thing, you know, we talked about, you know, we were tops in a lot of categories except run defense. We are middle of the pack, so... Um, definitely looking to get better in, in that aspect. It, we talked about this just two days ago, and it, it's really, really interesting because whenever you look at the 49ers' defense and the numbers, statistics that they were able to put up in 2019, you know, the nearsighted part of it would say, gosh, defense is amazing. You've got all these huge guys like Buckner and Armstead, who's a run-stuffing defensive end. Uh, you've got these amazing linebacking core. Nobody's running on them. Well, you go back and you look at those Cardinals games and you look at certain areas where they were very susceptible to almost five yards to carry. And it was right up the gut. It was right up the gut. Um, you know, running in that opposite a gap of DeForest Buckner. And I've talked about this. I love DeForest Buckner. I think he's a top three defensive tackle in the NFL, but he's a finesse guy and he loves the swim move. He loves stunts. So the gap integrity gets lost sometimes. Now, usually he takes on double teams as well as anybody. But whenever you put somebody like a Sheldon Day beside him and he guesses wrong or swims wrong or anything like that, those middle A gaps would sometimes just part like the Red Sea. And you could see it on film when we were doing the breakdowns. Um, it was just, ah, it was so bad. And so you replace Buckner with a guy that weighs, you know, 30-plus pounds more and is not finesse anything and is not agile or <laughs> lateral movement anything. He doesn't know what a swim move is. You replace that with a healthy DJ Jones on the opposite side, and you already got to be really, really happy about what's going on. Um, so that's one of those things that's kind of uh, interesting that you know I'm going to keep an eye on early on. You want to know where this defense can improve? I think two areas. Okay, number one, better run defense up the middle. Two, more interceptions from the sa uh, safety position, and we're going to hear from a safety later on at the end of this. Um, so those are kind of the two areas that are huge. Missed tackles, I think you could throw that in there, but Fred Warner improved, golly, Dre <laughs> Greenlaw improved huge, Quan Alexander still huge question mark uh, in that area. He's always missed a lot of tackles, but that's okay. And they moved on to ask Eric Armstead about a college teammate. Uh, Dion Jordan was a senior when Eric Armstead came in and DeForest Buckner were there all at Oregon, and he talks a little bit about that here. Again, um, I believe that you spent a year at, at Oregon with uh, Dion Jordan. Um, what are your recollections of him um, with the Ducks, and, and what are your thoughts on, on him joining the, the defensive line crew? Man, it's great. Uh, you know, Dion was a guy I looked up to um, and have for a long time, especially – you know, in college, being a freshman, he was a senior, you know, big man on campus. 
Um, and I always appreciated him for sticking up for me and not being one of those, you know, seniors who talk down to freshmen and um, try to haze freshmen. So Dion was always my big homie, and um, I loved uh, playing with him in college and being able to learn from him. And um, he played at a high level and, you know, set a standard for us in college and something to, you know, achieve and dream of, of uh and dream of achieving one day, which was, you know, playing well at Oregon and then, you know, being a top draft pick. So um, he kind of paved the way for for me and Defoe. And, um, you know, we knew someone that did it at a high level. So it was amazing to, you know, follow follow those next couple of years and, you know, try to do the same thing he did. And, and <laughs> a couple things stood out to me there as you guys are watching with me. Imagine being a guy. That tries to haze a six foot seven, <laughs> three hundred pound behemoth of a man. I don't care if he's a freshman. The fact that there are people out there that are trying to haze somebody like DeForest Buckner or <laughs> Eric Armstead is just crazy. And it just goes to show you, it doesn't even matter if you are going to be a top five pick in the NFL like Deion Jordan was. You treat people with respect. You fast forward five years, where are we at now? Deion Jordan's a backup role player, situational pass rusher at best, playing on a minimum salary. Eric Armstead just got $16 million a year. So things change. You treat people with respect. You do it correctly. Just because you're in a position of power, you don't take advantage of others or treat others as lesser than. I think that's huge. Um, and so, you know, I love the fact that Eric Armstead, instead of acting like he's so big, high, and mighty, even went back and, and reminisced a little bit. Yeah. When Deion Jordan was there, he treated us with respect. And I think that's awesome. I, I love that. Now, what does Deion Jordan provide for this defense? It's just depth. Um, I, I think, you know, again, snap counts are important. And obviously, certain matchups are going to lend to uh, a little bit more pass rush heavy mindset or game plan for this defense. But no way in hell should Deion Jordan get more than five or 10 snaps a game. Like, that's it. That's all that he does. Um, again, he's probably the fifth pass rusher off the, off the you know bench. Uh, and so he's a guy that is just there for depth, just in case, guys, somebody goes down, he could step up. That's fine. But he's not a guy that you're trying to get snaps. He's a guy that you are trying to get in there on non-key plays, pass rushing only, to give your guys a breather. Um, and so that's about it. So you take that for what you will, but uh, I'm glad Deion Jordan's here. He wasn't the sign I'd make. I would have signed Demontre Moore. I actually would have preferred Ezekiel Anza, but you've got to believe in the team and the front office, and they brought him in, and so he's he's with us. He's he's part of it, and so we're, we're on his side now. Now the next player up, another giant, good old Mike McGlinchey, number 69 himself. Nice. Um, and one of the questions that I thought was interesting, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, if you've ever watched any draft, press conference, whatever, versatility, it's the V-bomb, they throw that damn word around like crazy. If you did a shot every single time Kyle Lynch said versatility, you would be drunk by the second sentence. It's just, he loves it. And so they asked Mike about it, and here's what he had to say. Versatility is going to be absolutely huge. Um, it's going to make or break guys having jobs and, and, and make or break you know, situations to fill our roster because we can get in in any situation at any point this year that we're not just looking out for injury. We're looking out for something that we can't really defend ourselves from at times. And so um, to be having to be able to have the ability to plug and play guys in different positions at different times is really going to allow us um, to keep moving as smoothly as as as, as operationally possible. And man, it this guy knows about versatility more than anybody because if you go back to his rookie year, guess what? You were two or three games in, I think, and he had to be moved to right guard because of the injuries that took place. It might have been his first game. I could be wrong, so correct me if I'm wrong there, uh, wonderful countdown crew. But you move from when Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch started. Offensive line is pivotal in this this offensive scheme that they run whether pass pro or run blocking, outside zone, whatever. It doesn't matter. But what they have morphed it into, and he, he's going to talk a little bit more about this in a second. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but the idea is this. Everybody can play. Daniel Brunskill 
Brunskill, I know I say it wrong. I'm from Texas. I don't speak English correctly. I apologize. Mispronouncing names is kind of my thing. Um, <laughs> but the idea is Daniel Brunskill, he can play all five spots. Compton can play three or four spots. You, Colton McKivitz can play all five spots. They don't want the game, the philosophy, the game plan to be corrupted <laughs> by an injury, to be let down by one or two injuries. Screw that biz. We've got 12 offensive linemen that can play probably 10 separate lineups, and they're going to make sure they cover it no matter what. One man is not big enough to ruin what is happening, and there's four guys that can play center. Everybody can play guard. There's Justin School could play both tackles. There's all kinds of stuff out there, and I think that's huge. Uh, but as far as starting spots, you know, the versatility is huge whenever the crap hits the fan and you got to kind of fill some holes and whatever else. But that right guard spot, you know, me personally, and I think most mo most of the faithful says Daniel Brunskill, he's going to be the starting right guard. Well, what is happening so far through training camp? Because, again, we don't get to see it. And McGlinchey lets us know exactly who's getting those right guard snaps. Uh, apologies for a, a two-parter, Mike, but um, who, who's been lining up next to you at right guard so, so it's, far? It's been a uh, rotation between Dan Brunskill and Tom Compton. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and then the other question would be, um, you know, there, there are a couple of newcomers on the line, and, and what are your early uh, impressions of Tom Compton and also of uh, the rookie, Colton McKibbitts? Um, well, both are, both are extremely uh, great guys, um, great to have in our room, and they were great additions to, to the culture that we have. Um, and only getting to know them through Zoom in the spring and now in the last two weeks or so, um, they're, they're, they're really uh, a lot of fun to be around. And going back to that point, both very, very versatile football players. They've played a lot of football, Colton in college, Tom in the NFL, at a lot of different spots and a lot of different schemes. And um, Tom played for a long time in, in Kyle's system in Washington too. So um, it's, uh, it's two guys that are going to come in and compete really hard for us, give us a little bit added depth at not just the one position, but like Cam uh, had said, a, a bunch of them. Um, and um, going to allow us to do uh, certain things with, with those guys there and push other guys forward, which is really cool. And um, obviously the other newcomer, um, if you can call him a newcomer, is Trent, and he's been an unbelievable guy to work with uh, over the last two weeks or so. And um, even just in walkthrough, he's still, you still kind of get a little jaw drop by how smooth and how much of an athlete he truly is at his size. And um, it's going to be cool to pick his brain over the next couple weeks here going through training camp once live bullets start flying and seeing him back in action. First off, you've got to come back. Okay, Tom Compton, Daniel Brunskill are rotating at that right guard spot. Now, how do I say this? I want to be – Tom Compton is not a starting level player in the NFL. He's just not. He never has been. Uh, but what Mike said was important. Tom Compton played a lot of football with Kyle Shanahan in Washington. He knows the system. He's played the position. He knows the calls. And Kyle Shanahan, loyalty is his thing. Um, and so I love that there's a little bit of a competition there. I think Daniel Brunskill, um, I, I, that dude's amazing. I, I really do think that he is amazing. I think that he could start anywhere. And I think that at some point, okay, here, here's my projection. And you can take this for whatever the hell you want to. Week one starter, Daniel Brunskill, right guard. But I think what they want to transition to eventually, if Richburg doesn't pan out, whatever, he's never been really healthy, you move Brunskill to center, which he's been taking snaps there, and Colton McKivitz once he gets to know the offense at right guard. If you're talking about the, the best five offensive linemen, I think that's your lineup. Now, where does Tom Compton fit into this? Because he's one of those jack-of-all-trades guys. He fits the prototypical right guard um, profile that Kyle Shanahan loves. He fits it to a T. But his ceiling and pass protection does not exist. Okay? Um, now you look at somebody like Daniel Brunskill, who played freaking phenomenal at right, guard, or right tackle and left tackle, you know, did a hell of a job last year in his first year out of the AAF. Um, and, and so I think that this is a guy, if he could pass, protect a tackle, you know, he's going to be just fine at guard. So hopefully we'll see what happens, but you want Brunskill to overtake that. And I want Brunskill starting. 
I don't care if it's center or guard. I want that kid on the field. He is the epitome of toughness and versatility, and he just fits the system. He just fits it. Um, so Colton McKivitz is obviously going to be taking over somewhere, somewhere. He's a fifth round pick, but they were super high on him, but there's just so much depth. You know, you talk about, uh, the new depth with all these people and all that stuff. And then Mike McGlitchy even did the same thing. And, oh yeah, there is this one guy who on the left, Trent Williams, <laughs> who is arguably going to be in contention for one of the better left tackles in the NFL. Now, can he regain where he was a few years ago, I think so. I think all of us think so. I think Kyle Shanahan thinks so. Past his physical, and you hear Mike McGlinchey, who's known as one of the most graceful and kind of, how do I say this, coordinated tackles out there. You know, he's huge, he's lean. It, very first year, you've got the clip where he's blocking 60 yards downfield. The dude's just a beast. Well, guess what? You put him next to Trent Williams, there's a big difference. Because Trent Williams does all of those same things. He's just much larger. Uh, you see his arms, <laughs> Trent Williams, in the last press conference. Uh, they don't call him Silverback for any reason. Uh, they call him Silverback because he's just an absolute monster. That's just what he is. Now, another real short clip from Mike McGlinchey here just talking about um, a issue that he had with his knee, which turned out not to be that big of an issue, but how it benefited him um, this year in the offseason have an injury surgery or procedure that allowed you to be there in the off season? Yeah. So I had a PRP done in my, on my knees, just like I, I do every off season. Um, so I was classified as a rehabbing player because of that procedure. I just do, I do it for maintenance purposes. And um, the first couple, the first couple weeks and all that kind of stuff was uh, what allowed me to be here um, and train with our staff. So a PRP is a, a platelet rich, uh, plasma injection in the knee, uh, very similar to what D Ford had last year, but it's not so. It's much more of a maintenance thing for him. But because he had this injection, he was allowed to come into and work with the training crew and all that stuff, even when everything was in lockdown. Because if you remember, the NFL said the only players that are allowed in early are the ones rehabbing, which allowed him to go in under that uh, thing. So excited about that. A, a lot of players do this, especially the, the taller ones or people who've had knee issues in the past McGlinchey's never had knee issues uh he's missed one game he, he, he never missed a game in college high school or even peewee football ever he finally did miss a couple games last year but uh he's never really had knee issues and he's gonna be just fine so that's good news there I really really like that now I do want to say before we jump to the Kyle Juszczyk press conference uh one I see a couple questions showing up on um hot mic and on YouTube we're gonna get to those after we finish the press conferences but also want to let you know uh the next Jimmy Garoppolo which we've done like a six-part series good lord this offseason we'll be dropping on patreon tomorrow uh it's going to be jimmy garoppolo versus the third and long situation if you haven't subscribed to patreon get over there if you want to watch football niners football get over there uh so many hours of content and breakdown and all those things so that's going to be dropping tomorrow uh just go to patreon.com search 49ers rush podcast uh subscribe to that frank gore tier it's eight dollars a month but trust me you're going to get your money's worth uh you're going to enjoy it and if you don't like it you can always just back out of it no big deal uh but that's there for you guys so please that's the best way to support the podcast and really the majority of funding that went to producing um the documentary the quest for six it came from patreon i don't get that money that money don't go to me. That money goes back to the podcast. And so the more subscribers we have there, obviously the podcast is always free, but the more subscribers we have there, the more we can do and kind of fund those things. That's what that's for. So uh, let's move on now to the fullback himself, Kyle Juszczyk, Juice. And I love this question because with COVID, lack of minicamp, OTAs, no preseason games, what's the offense do? Where is the offense? And here's what he had to say. Um, have you guys been able to just kind of pick up where you left off last year and even expanded the offense as we last saw it? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, when everybody's kind of checking in, everyone's hitting me up, hey, how's the first week of camp going? Uh, that's really been my response to everybody is we've just kind of picked up where we left off. Uh, this is – it's nice to be in an offense that, um, you know, this is our fourth year doing it. So we don't have to spend so much time on the day one, day two, that kind of stuff. Like we're, we're kind of past that. And we're to a point that um, we can really 
just start building on everything that we've already done and get into some of the more advanced and uh, you know minute details of things. All right, and the 49ers have such a huge advantage over the rest of the NFL. One, just by the depth of their roster, the talent, the lack of losing roster spots. The they didn't lose coordinators. They're returning everybody. On top of that, they had an extra month of practice in that Super Bowl run. And so they're already more crisp. Now you could say, oh, well, their bodies are worn out and all those things. They still had several months off. And because of no OTAs, because of no mini camps, they had that time to rest as well. Everything looks, it could be wrong, but everything looks as if the advantage, which some teams are going to be way better farther ahead because of the COVID and the lack of all this stuff, new coaches are screwed this year. Um, you know, betting wise and all that kind of stuff, which we're going to get into some of those once we get closer to kickoff, some betting specials with my bookie, things like that. Um, but the idea is this new coaches take the unders returning veteran coaches and returning starters and coordinators take the over because this year more than ever, it's so important. And again, look at the offense, you know, use check said it, we kind of picked up where we left off because we don't have to start over. Really, the only new starter is a wide receiver, maybe Brandon Ayuk. I don't even think he's going to be a starter week one. I don't think he will. I think that he'll have you know some reps in there. But look at the offensive line. Trent Williams, guess what? Not new. He's played in Kyle Shanahan's scheme before. Tom Compton, not new. He's played in Kyle Shanahan's scheme before. Daniel Brunskill, not new. Now, he hasn't played right guard, but he started doing right guard snaps all through the, the postseason. So he's got that as well. McKivitz, okay, he's new. Nobody's expecting him to start. He's not even getting starting rep in the rotation. He's going to be a backup that's going to be eased in just in case somebody goes down. Uh, ben Garland at center or Western Richburg, not new. Wide receivers, not. there's nobody new. Jordan Reed, not new. He's not a starter, but still. Um, Jarek McKinnon, been around the playbook for two years, not new. So the offense, they don't have to start over. And this is a big reason, you know, Kyle Shanahan went back and he, he said several times, I truly believed, this is me speaking in Kyle Shanahan voice, I truly believe we had the best team in football. We had the best roster in football. Um, so he returned that, and he gets to pick up right where they left off. All the coordinators are back, all of them. Um, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm excited, man. <laughs> uh, the more I think about this, and I think this is one of those unsung things, because... Other teams, they're starting at step one, whereas we're already at step 15. And so the way that you move forward is going to be huge. It's good. And Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers, usually start really, really fast. Usually, not always, but usually uh, in games. And so I, I fully expect that. That week one Arizona matchup is going to be fun. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. But you move on to weeks two and three versus the New York teams. Whew. Man, those are going to be – it's going to get ugly. Now we got to move on to our every single time our jet segment because it seems to be a race on whichever offense or defensive player talks, and the question gets asked, and I love this question, who has stood out to you? Well, here we go. Jarek McKinnon time, baby. Let's hear it from Juice. I, th I think we all share this, the same sentiments as Trent, like, Jet has looked phenomenal. You you just would never guess going out there and, and watching the way he practices, the way how smooth he is, how he doesn't second guess himself, um, how quickly he answers questions in meetings, all that kind of stuff. You would never guess that this guy hasn't been on the field for two years. Uh, he just makes things look so natural, so smooth uh, that I think, you know, there, there can only be positive things for him this year. I think he's going to have a really good year. Man, Jarek McKinnon, I – Imagine a world where Tevin Coleman is the third running back in your rotation. Because I think there's a strong possibility that's going to happen. Now, is everybody going to stay healthy? I don't know. This is the furthest Jarek McKinnon has made it in three years. Still zero snaps, right? But you listen to what everybody keeps saying. Jimmy Garoppolo, Trent Williams. I, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And defensive guys are talking about it too. So what if? Uh, the best fit for Kyle Shanahan's system, the number one fit is Jarek McKinnon. The perfect fit for the outside zone, well, that's Raheem Mostert. 
Tevin Coleman, kind of a jack-of-all-trades, guys. Probably his best attribute is pass protection, to be honest with you. But he is a liability in the receiving game. Um, so you have all these different fits. Jarek McKinnon and Raheem Mostert are the ideal fits in a Kyle Shanahan system. Raheem Mostert is the ideal runner. Jarek McKinnon is the ideal pass reception and pass protector. Um, so really excited about that. I really want to see that. I really want to see it. Oh, I get getting excited, guys. Um, now let's move to the defensive side with uh, Mr. Glass himself, Jimmy Ward, who finally put up you know two straight years of just solid play um he did get injured again to start the season but uh he turned that around and put together a hell of a performance throughout the the long haul of the game forcing the fumble um in the super bowl against patrick mahomes on that huge rushing play he played a great great super bowl he played really really well you could talk about the third and 15 that's a little more on Emmanuel mostly but whatever the question was asked this because you know we brought back all the coordinators but probably the biggest change Personnel-wise or coaching-wise was the DB coach. Uh, Joe Woods did a hell of a job. Well, he is now gone, and they brought in Tony Oden, and let's hear him talk about that. Peterman from the Sacramento Bee. Um, how how would you explain or it, uh, how how would you explain Tony Oden's coaching style, and how would you compare and maybe contrast it to Joe Woods? Uh, it's you know. It... <laughs> I don't really like to compare coaches. I feel like all the coaches bring something new to the table. Uh, I like him. He, he's uh, more aggressive, uh, but he's uh, he's really a fundamentally sound, too. Uh, I like his energy so far. Uh, but as of right now, you know, we're, we're all still uh, learning each other since it was no OTA. So, you know, we, we're, we're trying to build chemistry, you know, at, uh, right now. Did you hear those few words that kind of stood out there? More? aggressive more aggressive and jimmy ward's going to go on and hit on this just a little bit later on in the press conference i don't have the clip i didn't get the clip but he goes on to say you might see me blitzing a little bit more this year which you gotta like um again you look at the safety position which is great chikoski tart jimmy ward they're great they really are great they don't give up a lot of big plays uh, Tart's a little bit more of a liability in the passing and running game, but they definitely they don't give up big plays. Okay, they're definitely safeties by definition. But if we can increase some of the explosives, you go back to you know the Seattle defenses with Sherman and Thomas and Chancellor. One of the things that made them so unique was the explosive plays they created. Now Richard Sherman's continued to do that just fine. Uh, with all of his interceptions and tip passes and whatever else. He, he's been, he's done what he's continued to do. But we have missed a little bit of the safety playmaking ability. Instead of just a safety net back there, force a little bit more. Um, and so I really hope that they experiment some with this. I don't think we need to do a lot of five-man blitzes. Probably the person that was most successful in five-man blitzes was our nickel corner uh kawan williams he was great and fred warner obviously as well but if you could incorporate some of that more with jimmy ward i think that's huge because he's great at it he is great in the box safety and it continues to be hinted at that there might be some more three safety packages kind of very similar to what we saw in the super bowl with tarvarius moore getting in there getting a huge pass breakup getting an interception of the super bowl um, that's huge. He had more interceptions than Jimmy Ward and Chikoski Tart combined. Uh, and so, like, we need playmaking ability. Force the hand a little bit more. You have such a dominant defense. And I think you can do more of that now because your linebacking core is so strong. I, I mean, you look back at Fred Warner before 2019, the only question mark was his coverage ability was a liability. Well, what does he do in 2019? He turns into one of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL. Dre Greenlaw, a rookie. Yeah, we knew Quan could cover. But then Dre Greenlaw comes in and holy freaking cow, intercepting Russell Wilson <laughs> in, in overtime and just excelling. So because you have, back to the V-bomb, versatility, even on the defensive side, it allows you to be more creative. And so I think we're going to see a lot more dynamic perhaps is the right word, uh, a little bit more, uh, less vanilla <laughs> um, with this new coach, which I like. I, I really, really do like it. Now, this terrible question was asked, and I hated it, and I cringed, and I think you will too. Uh, how do you get over a Super Bowl loss? I hate that. Ugh, pisses me off. But I want to play this clip, not because of the question, which I hated. Um, amazing reporter asked the question. Uh, but 
the way he responded. Man, the coach tendencies and all the stuff in me, my the hair on the back of my neck just stood up. I, I love Jimmy Ward's response to this. Hey, Jimmy, it's Jennifer. You talked about you know, getting over the Super Bowl, and I think it's something obviously that a lot of guys have to do. But what is the mood in on the field? Like, What are people doing to get over it? And is everybody getting over it? Uh, you know, working. You know, I hear a lot of people, you know, right now my teammates, uh, you know, they say, uh, you know, they want to get back to that, you know, spot and win it. You know, that's obviously that's what everybody in the NFL, every team wants to do, get to the Super Bowl and win it. But I'm more, my approach is more just to take one day at a time, one game at a time. Like I see, I've been in that position, so I see what it takes. But, uh, you know, I can't look past this first game. I can't look past tomorrow practice. I just got to do everything the right way and just try to keep the same routine. What what kind of helped me uh, be successful uh, in this previous season. And hopefully I can put it all together this season. That freaking fires me up, man. You just go to work. You don't look ahead. And everybody wants to do the big picture, and a lot of that's people like me. Man, if the 49ers don't win the Super Bowl this year, I don't think it's a lost season, but that sure as hell should be the goal. And how do you get to that goal? How do you eat an elephant? <laughs> One bite at a time. And so I love what he said where he's like, you don't look past the first game, and you don't look past practice tomorrow. Practice tomorrow, you got to win. And you just go to work. And that's what it's about. It's not feeling sorry for yourself and all those whatever. And the people that talk about, you know, Super Bowl hangover, whatever. Look at the Patriots. Lose the Super Bowl one year, you win it the next year. It can be done. It's happened. So you just go back and you just keep plugging away. Now, again, back to my favorite types of questions for players. Who stood out? And I love this answer right here from Jimmy Ward. Hey, Jimmy, Kyle Posey, Niners Nation. Just kind of piggybacking off that. Who who has stood out in the first couple of weeks of, of practice here? And who on defense do you think needs to, needs to take a step forward for you guys to remain at the top? Um, Really, I don't – I can't really single-handedly say anybody, anyone right now, Uh, but – I feel like whoever's in, they're going to play up to par. It's just just because uh, you only have to do your job. Like, uh, we played this, we really had the same defense that's, that's coming back. Uh, mine is Buck. Uh, and we got DJ, and DJ was doing a phenomenal job before he ended up going down with his injury last year. And he didn't lose a step. Trust me, he's, he's getting off, flying off the ball. And we, we filled in some more pieces, you know, and, you know, we, we kind of got the whole routine down. Um, last year and it's just all the younger guys you know they're just following suit so you know that's what it's all about you know you know set the example and other guys will follow and that's the last clip we have today and it kind of goes full circle you go back to one of the first clips we played with eric armstead what did he say oh we could improve against the run we were middle of the pack well guess what one of the key players if not the key player outside of javon kinlaw it's dj and, you know, he got injured. At, he was finally hit that kind of, you know, just great performance, was in that elite tier almost, and then he gets injured. But he's back, and he's looking good. And you hear it from Jimmy Ward. And, you know, he even said, oh, I don't like to do that. But DJ, <laughs> and so I think it just carries so much more weight, you know, because you've got somebody that's tried to be honest and not, you know, give the textbook, oh, everybody's doing their job, whatever. But he just couldn't stop it. DJ, 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 DJ Jones. So you got to love all those things that are coming out. So much positivity, which you're not going to get negative answers um, from players. But, again, during this time period, learn from the Washington football team. Any major news right now is bad news. You don't want that. So the longer you can go with these wonderful interviews and, you know, no injuries and things along those nature, you know, you knock on wood here, the better. Um, now, before we jump out of here, I want to give time just for some questions uh, on Hot Mike and on YouTube. Uh, real quick from Marco on Hot Mike. John, what do you think about the video of Debo rehabbing? Um, yeah, if you haven't seen the video, seven weeks since he has had his surgery for the Jones fracture in his foot, he is just doing some very light, very light uh, jogging and planting on his outside feet. Um, and it looked good. It definitely nowhere close to being ready to go. But again, I'm telling you right now, and I'm sticking to my time frame. I don't think Debo plays the first three weeks. Why rush it? You don't have 
Arizona is a quality opponent, but the Giants and the Jets, not so much. Don't allow him to travel and all that stuff. Get him back. Get him ready. There's a lot of depth currently at the wide receiver position. Because right? currently, you know, Trent well, Trent Taylor's good. Jalen Hurd's good. Kendrick Bourne's good. Brandon Ayuk's good. Uh, Juwan Jennings is good. Everybody else seems Dante Pettis is good. They all seem healthy. Why rush him back? I don't think it's worth it because can you do a Super Bowl run without Debo? That gets rough. It starts to get harder whenever you talk about that. So wait, don't rush it. Let's get it back. Let's get it back. And so I think that, how do I say this? Debo's key. Okay, he's a pivotal, pivotal, that's not a word, pivotal um, piece to this offense. You got to have him. Um, you got to have him. So just wait. Don't rush it at all. Don't rush it at all. Uh, from Niner Drag, uh, with both safeties having at least five years in the league, neither has had at least two interceptions in the season. Why do you say the Niners should have more interceptions? So I like that. Um I just believe in turnovers. And a lot of that was just my coaching philosophy. Philosophy: I want to attack, I want to attack, I want to attack. And if you look back at the 49ers defense in 2018 to the 49ers defense in 2019, the big difference was, and you can put this, you know, chicken before the egg, pass rush and interceptions. 2018, the 49ers broke the record for fewest interceptions ever since the merger. 2019, big time different story. Uh, and so I think that that could increase, especially with this pass rush. Um, you are going to find some new things with this safety because I think that they're so close. And again, this goes back to coaching philosophies with Joe Woods versus Odin coming over from Miami. Woods was keep everything back, no big plays. And I think that that overall philosophy will stay the same, but much more aggressive from the safety position, which I think could cause some issues. Uh, from Oz49ers, is DJ going to start? If he's healthy, he's out there on base sets. I think that what you would like to do ideally is rotate him out in nickel sets. But if uh, DJ Jones is not a hindrance or a liability in the pass rush, but you don't want your big nose tackles usually getting all that playing time. You don't want them playing three downs. They just don't hold up. They don't last. So uh, hopefully he starts in base sets and then you rotate him out, shift uh, you know Eric Armstead into that spot and bring in D Ford on the outside. That's ideal. But you can't do that every single series. It's just too many snaps for the starters. So you're going to rotate. Um, I think ideally what the 49ers want, DJ Jones and Julian Taylor starting at that no spot. I think those are the two rotation guys that they want uh, there. So we'll just have to see what happens. Uh, let's move over to YouTube now and get to some questions before we get out of here. David, uh, he asked this. A lot of talk uh, about players with Jet. Do you believe he'll be impactful this season? Yeah, we kind of talked about that, David. You got to believe him. You got to take them at their word. There's no reason for defensive players to bring up Jarek McKinnon and how great he is. There's no reason for offensive linemen to bring up Jarek McKinnon and how great he is. There's no reason. You have to take them at their word. So it's it's cautiously optimistic. You don't want to rush it too much, especially back-to-back season injuries. But the dude looks the part, and so pretty excited about this. Uh, from AJ, what do you think happens if a major coach tests positive for COVID? Um, heaven forbid. Yeah, I'm with you there. It's going to happen. There's no I mean, Sean Payton's already had it. Um, one of the other coaches has had it as well. I don't remember which one, but I think two coaches have already had it. It's going to happen. Um, and so here's what you got to do. You can't be around anybody. So let's say Kyle Shanahan gets it, okay? Well, one, Kyle Shanahan's not going to be there on game day. Now, the good thing is his playbook and all those things, and you know this. I, I heard this happen, and this just goes to the, the most Raider John Gruden thing in the world. Um and so here's what happens. The players go to report for uh, their Zoom session, their very first team meeting Zoom session, or one of their first ones. And sure enough, John Gruden's not there. And they come out. I think it was the defensive coordinator. I don't remember exactly who it was. Says, well, hate to tell you guys this team. This is how they started the team meeting. John Gruden's in the hospital. He tested positive for COVID. And everybody's like, oh. And then, like, a few minutes later, Gruden pops in and goes, gotcha. I just wanted you guys to know what it was going to be like. That's the wrong way to handle it, right? That's not, <laughs> that, That's a bad organization. That's just, I don't know. I don't know what they were trying to gain in that. But you have to practice. 
just like teams practice, okay, what happens if our long snapper comes down? Let's rotate in the next guy. There is no doubt in my mind that these other coaches are getting experience calling plays. There's no doubt. And they're having all these contingency plans because it's going to happen. Um, yeah, it's going to happen. So I don't think it's really going to affect the 49ers because they have just so many guys that have been there. A lot of continuity between the past years. Not really stressed about it too much. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan, there's not another one. Uh, but the 49ers would be just fine, even if Shanahan does go down for a couple of weeks. Not too worried about that. Um, and I think Robert Sala just steps right in. You know, he, He's on the verge of being hired as a coach anyway. You just allow him to have the, the entire head coaching uh, duties, and then offense, you just step up to the next guy. Uh, David, he asked this, what do you think of the pro football focus ranking of our linebacker crew at 10? Shake my head. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's number one. I don't even think it's close. I understand why national media, they don't know who Dre Greenlaw is. They don't understand how great he was last year. Um, and so I get it. But whenever you look at those three, Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw, Quan Alexander, name a better trio in the NFL. It does not exist at the linebacking core. It doesn't. Um, and again, here's my philosophy on this, okay? Number one, Fred Warner, I think, is the best linebacker in the NFL. That's what I believe. I really, really do. Number two, Drake Greenlaw, there's not a better number two linebacker in the NFL. I get he's played one year. I get it. But you talk about the biggest moments, Super Bowl. <laughs> week 17 overtime versus Seahawks earlier the dude shows up and now you're talking about Quan Alexander is there a better third linebacker in the NFL than Quan freaking Alexander I, I just don't see it I just don't see it uh, so maybe you want to knock him on experience but uh yeah that's that's maybe it uh, from Mike Honcho, who's better, the O-line or the D-line? D-line, 100%. Um, the o offensive line's great. Tackles are great. Uh, I think Lakin Tomlinson's great. But the center, right guard, is still kind of up in the air. Uh, D-line, nothing is up in the air. Uh, that is a super, super talented uh, just entire roster, top to bottom. So, Hopefully you guys enjoyed today's episode. I know I sure as heck did. This is fun. I'm excited. Lots of stuff. Guys, I can't plead to you enough. Show up Thursday. Hit subscribe. Hit that notification bell. It's going to be 6 p.m. Um, Pacific Standard Time on YouTube. The Quest for Six will continue. That's what it's going to be about. Chapter One. Come join us. Plus, we're giving away a free Nick Bosey. Uh, Nick Boat. Nick Bosey. Nick Bosa jersey. That's going to be for you guys. It's free. Brush up on your Nick Bosa trivia. You don't know where I'm going to go with it. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So thank you guys for all the support. Really appreciate everything. And as always, stay strong, faithful. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.